Hi, Agnana listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. And again, I must apologize for my spotty updates. You know, I'm going to be really real with you. I started out Agnana as sort of like a passion project when I was working on something related to podcasts, but that wasn't really my full-time job. And um, being a risk taker <laughs> and a terrible Asian or a good one, whichever way you see it, um, I quit my full-time uh, benefits job, salaried, like no contract. I was on it for whenever I wanted to leave during a pandemic. And I transitioned into full-time podcast work. And I've had the privilege of working with um, Harvard Business Review. I pitched a show for Cisco. I'm currently working with PRX on another show. And I have other clients that I, that I also work with. So you must understand, I do this for a living. And you know, when they say chefs go home and don't want to cook food and just eat ramen or, you know, shrimp chips or whatever they have in their cabinet, that's sort of like me. I made podcast, I make podcasts for work. And for me, um, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I tell them all the best practices, you know, I make everything perfect for them. I do all the interview scouting and, um, I do producing on so but when it comes to Agnana, I'm so bad at doing that for myself. And I, um, you know, I, I did want to build a steady momentum, but it just seems like one of those things. It's like, <sighs> I come home and I'm like, I don't have any more energy. I, and I mean, I come home from a walk or <laughs> I bring my head back into my workspace because who am I kidding? I've been locked down um, in Toronto for, oh, and if you could hear the sirens in the background. So I think I have to get back to my or I, I have to learn and sort of give in to this idea that um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I'm sort of transitioning into developing my own mini doc that I've started and, and a lot of things have been happening for me. So I apologize if you're accept, uh, expecting, see, again, I would have previously, I would have cut that and done it again, but now I'm just like going with the flow, right? People want the, the, the real the real stuff. Um, and my friends get it on IG stories, which is why I kind of, they inspired me to do this podcast. I'm rambling, but I kind of wanted to connect with you guys on a, on a more personal level and just like, let you know that that's the reason I haven't been doing this. Like I get paid to do this for work and I have to make it a hundred percent perfect for them. So for myself, I kind of like just put it aside, put it on pause, but you know, it's still something I think about. And it was definitely something that helped me practice to get to where I am today. So anyways, I do want to come back and, and update frequently, but on a more casual level, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I can do videos and stuff, but that just takes too much time as someone who works in deep production with the tech stuff and the editing portion, that just takes too much time. And with the amount of work I have right now, I don't have that spare time to do. And maybe I'll never have that spare time <laughs> to do it. Who knows? You know, right now, the podcast industry is like the wild wild west everybody and their grandmas want a podcast and i think there's a di big difference between a good podcast and just a podcast you put out and not saying you know two guys talking about basketball can't be a good podcast but i'm saying there's a lot of research and there's a lot of um interview skills and production that goes into it anyways very talk shop i don't want to talk about that um the good news is uh, we're kind of just crawling out of the depths of despair with our wave three of COVID in Toronto, Canada right now. Um, and the vaccines are helping, but not everyone has had their second dose. And I was very lucky through my uh, volunteer work um, at Mobile COVID Vaccines. I have been fully vaccinated. Um, 
yeah, like I said, going forward, I hope to regularly update more and just to overcome like perfectionist nature, which I must say I've had since I was like in grade one or grade two or grade three, like very young. Um, I used to be that kid if like I made a mistake on a Bristol board. This is why I buy two Bristol boards anytime I did a project. If I made a little like a little mistake that I couldn't correct, I tear that entire Bristol board up and just do it again. So allow me to learn that perfectionism does not need to exist. Um, and uh, join me for this episode as I invited my friend Sarah Lang, who uh, has been uh, such a fun light during uh, this conversation. So allow us, Sarah and I, to take you through a little bit of our, um, I wouldn't say indulgence. For me, it's an indulgence. For her, it's she writes a lot of, uh, about TV and, and she used to work in magazines as well. So uh, we talk about how reality TV is not trash. There's no reason to be embarrassed about reality, reality TV um, because it it really shapes pop culture. Um, you know, look at the Kardashian empire. Anyways, we will get that into that. <laughs> and I just wanted to come on in the beginning and say that um, hopefully this this uh, this more casual vibe helps you take your brain off the shelves. I, I or put them put it on the shelf, as I like to say. You know, I personally listen to podcasts when I'm cleaning and cooking and showering, and that's when I want to relax. You know, I'm not really listening for a true crime. I'm not really listening for a serious conversation about healthcare. I'm just listening to personally for me to take my brain. Um, uh, uh, for a break and and make it relax. So hopefully I can help you do that too. I definitely want to make an episode about being in lockdown alone as a single person in Toronto <laughs> with no vehicle other than public transit, which I refuse to take during this whole time. So anyways, enjoy the episode. Um, love your feedback. If you can give it to me directly or if you can email me, message me on um, IG, anything like that. Thanks a lot. Bye. Oh my God, why did I say that? Why was it like... Why, why did I sound like I was leaving a voicemail? <laughs> I mean, thanks a lot. And uh, let's get into the episode. So hi, everyone. Welcome to Ignata Chit Chat. As I wrapped up season one of Ignata Podcast, I wanted to widen my topic ranges to things other than the Asian American experience. And one of them is near and dear to my heart because I've been a lifelong observer of this, which is pop culture and TV. And speaking of pop culture, I'm a shameless lover of reality TV, going back to the old school TLC offerings of John and K plus eight, Little People Big World, and even 19 and counting. So today I have with me Sarah Lang, who's a writer and editor that writes about TV. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amy. You mentioning those TLC shows just has made me mad that we haven't just dedicated an entire episode to those. <laughs> like, I feel like I spent probably... 25% of my childhood watching a dating story and then a wedding oh, story. Oh, yes. Which and then, I'm... like, say yes to the dress, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah but, like, those, those original ones, like a dating story and a wedding story, I would posit that they are, they are like, the unsung OG <laughs> reality <laughs> TV shows that, like, don't get enough credit for what they, for what they paved the way. They, they walked so Love is Blind could run. Yes. I really do believe that. But I think people have a bad perception of reality tv like they it's like trash tv for them but it's like people need to produce it and yes maybe things like the hills laguna were like scripted but i mean that's how like that's how you move production along and i think people want to see the drama well the thing is i will always fight anyone in the nicest possible way who says that reality tv is trash because as you point <laughs> out there's an art to creating it that yeah. i don't think gets nearly enough you know 
credit or examination. Yeah. But also, like, it reflects ourselves back to ourselves. And I think, like, we learn a lot about our world by watching reality TV. And we can get into this later, but I think, like, a lot of reality TV shows have pushed a lot of boundaries um, mm. in so many ways, in, sometimes in representation, even though they haven't always gotten that very right. Um, yeah. Sometimes in, like, what we decide as, you know, what are women allowed to do? And, you know, why do we find women, you know, having fights so disturbing or so entertaining? It opens up so many conversations mm. that, like, I think, you know, that this is not trash. It is, <laughs> it is an art from all its own, and you know, as we've discussed, I could talk about it all day, which is why I'm glad we're here. (laughs) Let's talk about your work a little bit for people who want to find your work um, online and and read the stuff you write. Yeah, so it's early for shameless self-promotion, but I'm in. Um, So I I have written for a bunch of outlets. I was an editor at El Canada uh, for several years, and I was the culture editor there. Um, So that was, you know, I got to fill... 10 pages of a magazine every month um, Mm. on everything from music to TV to celebrity stuff. So this is like my favorite thing to talk about. Um, And since then, I've been freelance and I've written on TV and books and culture. And recently, why Bridgerton has inspired a love of night dresses in me. Oh, yes, absolutely. um, A wide range of things, but I feel like it always comes back to pop culture. Great. I think you're just the perfect person. And you know... Sarah, I put on a real shirt with buttons today for the first time in like 12 months. No makeup yet. I'm still getting there um, because for my last recording, I had no makeup. I had my glasses on. I was in my cozy home sweater and I figured I'd take baby steps into back, you know, getting back into like a presentable mode. But like, it feels nice to be constricted. Um, Isn't that that top button just you you hold your head a little higher and you just put your shoulders straight? I've been wearing a lot of like sweater dresses and, you know, now that I don't have to do like Zoom standups with like coworkers, I don't have to show my face to anyone. So if I was on an, uh, a call, I'd be like, I'm on audio only if that's cool. And everyone <laughs> says it's cool, right? So anyways, I just want to say I, I wore this shirt because I thought of your style and I thought of the things we're going to talk about and thought this was appropriate. It's a fantastic blouse. And I also really <laughs> appreciate that we're in the same tonal range. Yeah, Like yes. aesthetically, it's it's doing a lot. So right. great minds. So Listeners, you're in for a treat. Put your brain on autopilot. Let us give it that massage it needs, because that's kind of what my, uh, you know, talking about various topics for this podcast is like, I don't want it to be like scholarly and serious. Let us give it that massage you need. Listen to us in the shower. Um, if you're cooking, listen to us. You know, if you're gardening, wherever you are, if you're in a sunny place, do that too. Um, so like I mentioned, Sarah and I will be discussing some of our favorite reality TV shows. There are too many, um, yeah. which we have overlapped a few, so it'll be easy for us to get into. Um, I asked Sarah to compile her top five reality shows, regardless of time, and I listed mine too. And I will say, after I moved out of my parents' house, I lost cable access and stopped trying to, like, you know, like, stream it online illegally and, you know, with those, like, crappy resolutions. But so I've been really behind on reality TV consumption. Um, All right, Amy, can I stop you there? Because (laughs) this is is not sponsored, but do yourself a favor and sign up to Hey You. Okay. H-A-Y-U, which is through Prime, I want to say. But you may also be able to get it if you don't have a Prime account. Don't. Yeah. Fact check that one. Don't um, at you, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's like five ninety nine a month with access to like deep cut archives of like all the reality shows ever. Wow. So if anything that we talk about here, like 
catches your ear, like, go there, and they will have it, and they will have all 27 seasons of it. So, like, honestly, best money I spend every month. Okay, I I might. I might just do that. Okay, so Sarah, will you grace us with your top five reality shows? Okay, um, I may get this wrong, because I'm doing it off the top of my head, but uh, Made in Chelsea... Yes, that's not something uh, I watch, but I, I'll, I'm interested. Do you want me to talk about them now, or shall we run through the list and then we can deep dive? Yeah, we'll run through the list and deep dive. Okay, so Made in Chelsea, Real Housewives of Melbourne. Very okay. specific. Very specific. Uh, <laughs> and like, it's, it's one of those ones, like, I really want to make a case for it, because if you have not enjoyed it, my friend, you are in for a treat. It is, yep. it is everything that is great about the Housewives franchise and more. Um, what else do we have? Selling Sunset? Selling Sunset, love that. Uh, we got Love is Blind. Of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, I, I will stop talking, but like such a sidebar. This time last year, just a few weeks ago, Love is Blind was all we could talk about. Yes. And we had no idea like what was to come. And I just remember the obsession. And it was, it was, yeah, who knew? Who knew? That we'll we get another... into it. Yeah. yeah. And then, Amy, you're going to have to help me with my fifth one because there are too many to choose. I and don't I forget. Know. That's okay. I can say my list because we have three overlapping. So my list is Bling Empire. Oh, it's Bling Empire. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So Bling Empire is obviously the most recent one. Um, Selling Sunset for me, season two was better than season one because, you know, the cast really got into themselves, like bought new clothes, probably got paid from Netflix, you know. Um, Love is Blind. You're totally right. It was like the last thing during lockdown because I was invited to a finale watch party. Um where I was also introduced to the mass Singer, but, you know, that's just, that's fun as well. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's reality TV I could never get behind. Really? Absolutely, absolutely oh, never. Okay, well, I might change your mind later. But yeah, Love is One, we were at a, like, my friend invited me over to the finale, and, like, that was the last time I was in a room with four other people I didn't live with. Um, what a time. And then, what what is that, that, that movie with the... Uh, Carol Baskin happened, not the movie documentary. Oh my goodness, Tiger King. Tiger King, yes. And then some of mine from the archives would be the Real Housewives of Atlanta Mm -hmm. when Phaedra, Nini, and Kim were still there. So like older seasons, but... Yeah, early seasons. um, Early season. And then for me, keeping up with the Kardashians before Kim became KKW West and before Kylie became who she is, aka like when she was like 17. And this is such an important distinction to make because I will absolutely <laughs> agree with you. Yeah. Like there are two years of keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. And I, like you, dropped off somewhere around like the time that like the snake started eating its own tail and like yeah. their fame became the subject of the show. Right. Like that to me is like one of the like the fourth wall breaking of reality TV is when their fame becomes a storyline. It's an instant like tap out for me because then it's no longer I'm not I feel like it's no longer I'm seeing people's lives I'm seeing like this strange like uh, machine that we've all created together and it's it's no fun wow you put things in such eloquence and you make it sound so scholarly when I was just like (laughs) I like Kim and I liked Kim when she wasn't as rich and like didn't live in a giant house that like Kanye built for her um (laughs) and had like a bunch of uh lines you know of perfume and skims and all that stuff you know i i constantly go back and forth between like is kylie's whole body like surgery like 90 percent of me says yes 
I, I think she wouldn't deny it. I think she'd happily tell you. Although, having said that, I remember, I want to say it's like circa 2011, 2012, 2013, there was that conversation around her lips. Her lips, yep. And, and the whole um, thing she was doing, because I think she was about to launch Kylie Lip Kits, which yes. is her, eye, um, her lip liner and her uh, lip sort of matte lip gloss, Yep. that she was like, this is how I get my lips to be so big. And I think... That was what I was like, like that disingenuous that I lost a lot of people. It's like yes. one thing to be like, yeah, cool. Like you, you get lip fillers. Amazing. Great for you. It was this attempt to be like, no, 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 I don't have lip fillers. I just have really good skills with a lip liner. And so can you, <laughs> I, I think, I think that's where they lose me. Yeah. And I also think so. And then there was an episode where she talks about her kissing this boy. And then he mentions that her lips are so thin and therefore she got lip fillers. Um, I think because she was marketing her lip fillers to very young children, I would say mm. 15, 16, 17, and her being like, you know, I didn't get lip fillers, but like use my uh, lip liner and lip products. And then it's like, oh, actually a boy kissed me, didn't like me enough. Therefore I have to do this to, I don't know, gain my confidence or whatever. Um, and yeah. it's funny, like that family... I don't know if it was earlier than that, but there's an uh, episode that I really remember around, I want to say it was Kim and the butt filler, uh, the great butt filler debate. Yes. Yeah. I remember her having an x-ray or an ultrasound or something like on the show to be like, yeah. look, it's real. I remember and, that too. And it's, and it's an interesting thing that they do to themselves. They set themselves up to be like, no, no, we are real. We're authentic. Whereas I think if they just owned the work they had done. Yep. Like, it wouldn't be an issue. So exactly. to me, that's always been an interesting conversation with them. Because yeah. they 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 had a lot to do with our aesthetics today. Like I, I agree! Think, like, the acceptance of lip fillers and, you know, Botox and cheek fillers and all of that stuff, they had a lot to do with that. So it's like, own your part in the revolution, right. I think. And I think the, especially because they're such heavy users of Instagram and the target demo you know they think that is the perfect body they think it's achievable and then you you see these instagram influencers young very young instagram influence getting um like i don't think it's butt implants now because we're way past that but it's like the brazilian butt lift where you like do lipo and then you inject it into your the your like hip area and it's like that's that's not a natural some people may have that but a majority of people do not have that natural physique to look like that and I think because everything like that they produce feels and looks so flawless I mean go to Kim go to Courtney go to like Kendall and Kylie's like oh maybe Kendall not so much because she's always been very slim and she looks like that but I'm sure she's gotten like fillers in her face she's gotten a nose job whatnot but just like you said not to own it and I think it's really terrible for young girls to look at this and be like, I want to look like that. How do I achieve that? And that's the only thing they strive to do. I think that's really harmful. Well, I mean, also to bring the conversation back to reality TV, what I've always so found so interesting with the conversation around the Kardashians is like, you go back to those very, very early seasons and it was in the, like the nascence of like reality TV and nobody took them seriously. And then yeah. when you chart the, like the cultural and aesthetic impact they have actually had, like yeah. the fact that like, so much of like makeup aesthetic like mm-hmm. they they did a, a lot of work to bring a very particular aesthetic to the mainstream that's so true and we're we're still we're still working with elements of it today like yep. their cultural power is phenomenal 
And I think, yeah. like, to anyone who was ever like, oh, reality TV is, like, not worthy of our time, like, look at that. Because mm. that shows you, like, the impact that it can have. And, like, the empires they have built. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, You're right. Like Kylie... Think... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, Kylie, for instance, there's a little bit of debate around it, but, like, she is a, quote, self-made billionaire, <laughs> yes, I yes, want to yes. say. Like, say what you will, but, like, applaud the hustle. Yeah, but I don't know if that's Chris Jenner in the behind the scenes and like Ryan Seacrest helping them get all these deals because he was an executive producer on Keeping It Up for the entire yeah. duration, right? And then it's like every huge um, milestone in their life was like a season debut, whether it was Kim getting married, Courtney and Scott breaking up, um, what, whether it was Lamar in the hospital. Yeah, it's just like you're right, but you're. And, and, and they also um, contributed a lot to the cultural makeup and aesthetic. You're so right. Because, like, I remember Kim was selling her contour sticks. Yes. And she also does things like makeup for your body. And people were like, Kim, like, you're too dark and that's not your shade. And you're trying to be a black woman and you're trying to present as a black woman. Um, I mean, give it up to Kris Jenner for never ending controversy and, you know, uh, being in the press. So... Number one Kardashian is probably Kris Jenner. Oh, all the way. Like there would <laughs> there would be no Kardashians without Kris Jenner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. She's a genius. And I, I don't know why people don't recognize that. Um, we didn't even plan to talk about Kardashians, but <laughs> let's get into um the latest uh that people may have watched and it's fresh on their mind. Bling Empire. I would yes. love to know what you think because um, as an Asian American, a lot of my friends are like, we got to watch this. This is one mm -hmm. of the first shows that has like a um, all Asian American cast. But I'm curious what your point of view is. Well, it's interesting you say that because I initially was a little bit like leery of it. Mm. Just thinking like, you know, knowing that it is going to be the show that focuses on, on Asian Americans and, you know, like the Asian American experience. Like, is it going to be just a bunch of stereotypes? Is it, yeah. is it actually going to be a really damaging you know, piece of culture, like, right. you're always a little bit nervous when it's like, and especially when it purports to represent, like, an entire culture, mm, like, true. that, and, and I also think, like, you know, what, what is it reinforcing that is negative, potentially, like, just this, that, you know, that sort of, like, crazy rich Asians, right, sort of stereotype, I was a bit nervous, I was like, oh, I, I don't know what, how this is going to go, and I was a little yeah. bit worried, but having watched it, I think it is, it's a lot of fun. It and is. I think and I think like it's a very self-aware show. And okay. I think it's incredibly cleverly set up in that they do a great job of introducing um Kevin. Yes. Um who is this like he's sort of the you know in like The Great Gatsby, I think it's it's Nick Carraway who's our our outsider like narrator for us and we discovered this world along with Kevin who isn't part of this world and doesn't know anything about how these incredibly rich people live and yeah. it was a really smart way of showing not telling but also really holding like viewers like me who don't really know a whole lot about that very specific experience right and taking so, us in there yeah so Kevin I believe his last name is Kreider he is Korean by ethnicity, but he was adopted by uh, white parents from the U.S. And I believe they're from the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and you're right. So he, I think he's trying to make it as an actor slash model. Clearly, Netflix has project like, you know, made his trajectory more than he could think of. And 
he just he didn't have the luxuries that they had he lives with a roommate in a room whereas they have these mansions and never bought he you know they constantly made fun of his style which i didn't which think i was... mean he, he wasn't great but it could have been worse <laughs> yeah it wasn't it, it wasn't anything like i'm like a lot of men dress like that it's i mean unless you have a stylist you, you can't look like ryan gosling all day yeah, but also like when you're that handsome unfortunately like do you even need to bother i think yeah he's... He's riding on that very beautiful face yes. all the way to the bank. So who are your favorite characters on that show? Oh, I have to say, like, Anna is probably my most favorite character ever. Most? Okay, yeah. She's my top three. I have three, and I no particular order, but Anna is all also on there. Well, because she's someone who, like, and that's another thing about the show. I think they did a really good job of setting you up and then taking you on a journey you did not expect to go on. Mm. Like... For instance, when, like, Anna was introduced as this sort of, I think her dad is, like, a Russian oligarch, perhaps. Like, she's, like, this, like, very mysterious, frightening, you know, very intimidating character. And you think, oh, like, and especially the way the previews were set up, it made it sound like she was going to bring this, like... Drama? Exactly. Yeah. But, But then, no spoilers. It turns out she is actually the sanest person in the room. And she, like, brings this, like... She's sort of this, like, wise Yoda figure who sort of, like, guides them all through the experience right. while also having wonderful eccentricities. Like, the the whole thing where um, Dior comes to her house for a personal <laughs> shopping appointment and Kevin just happens to be there and she's like, hey, would you like some, like, you know, $20,000 worth of clothes? Just pick whatever you feel like. Like, that was delightful. But, like, just the fact that, like, the, and I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but, like, the final episodes, you know, touch really... I want, I would say, sensitively on things like adoption mm, right. and like, you know, what it means to be estranged from a parent. And like, it, it goes to some pretty like mo- moving and deep places. I don't know not, if I was... what you thought. No, and I don't know if I was ready for that when uh, Kevin and Kane had their storyline. I, of course, I feel like that was a producer planted storyline. Yeah. Yeah, that, it felt a little bit, that was, vi- like, I'm sorry, like, I don't care how rich you are, but, like, you're never gonna be like, hey, guys, like, let's go look for our friend's, like, estranged father across the country. She won't mind. It'll be okay. Yeah. Like, that was a bit, like, contrived. But, like, when they actually did get there, I don't know, I feel like that felt really, there was something really authentic about that, and I think they had some interesting conversations. As a side note, I adore Kane. He's my yes. second most favorite. Okay, okay. So yeah. we have a very similar list. So mine, I had, mine was like Kane and I couldn't really decide, but I feel like I already chose. So my list is Kevin, just his Midwestern niceness and his like, not aloofness, but it's maybe this naivete of living in this Los Angeles glamour life. So I yeah. really enjoyed seeing that side. And you brought a really good point. That was kind of like, it represented us as normal people. Yeah. Um, you would definitely scoff at like a $2,000 pair of sneakers. Um, And then I think Kane was originally in my top three list. But then the more that the show ended and I started browsing their social media, started reading articles, Cherie really stood out to me. (laughs) Um, She's just so sweet and kind of like, at first you're like, why is she even in the show, Cherie and Jesse? Yeah. Um, but at the end, you're just like, you kind of needed that, like, neutral person who kind of is, it looks like she's friends with everybody, and everybody likes her. Um, she did name her child J'adore and Javon. I mean, what, what are you arguing with her, Annie? <laughs> I don't understand your problem. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and then I loved her storyline of hiring a celebrity medium. Her mom had just passed away recently. Yeah. And the plan, I don't know if it was a planted producer line or if it was her seriously thinking that her mom was the reincarnation of her son. And then her husband, well, her fiance, Jesse, being freaked out by it. <laughs> but again, like that whole storyline about dealing with grief and like mm. the way that like Kane and Kevin like really come and stand beside her in her grief. And yep. like that was really beautiful. And it was I think sweet. like it, I don't know. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that even if it was scripted, there was a, they spoke to like a deep human experience there, which again, like, people don't think you get in reality tv but let right. me tell you it's it's that mirror on ourselves and I, that's why i thought like building empire was i really liked it for that reason okay like all of the excess and the crazy parties and the like oh you know our one-year-old's like first birthday <laughs> cost more than like a suburb yeah like it's like that was just the fun stuff but i actually really enjoyed the like the quote realness of right people. yeah what did you think of you know, in the beginning uh, few episodes, Kim was really defensive about what she did at Anna's house. Yeah. And I was like, I don't get why she's on this. It was kind of like, I, I feel like she was embarrassed that like, um, that uh, guy Tang pushed her to do that thing. <laughs> like rummaging through Anna's home, finding a giant penis pump. And then throwing Number, it out the window. Throwing it out the window. And then when Ke when they were at a bar and Kevin's like, what are you, raised by wolves? And that was so, that's kind of like, you're right. Like, Kevin was the person that was like us. Like, who does that stuff? Like, yeah. one, you, you know, anytime you go over to someone's house, I remember even as a child, you never go up the stairs un unless somebody Ooh. invites you. Yeah, the stairs are right? sacred. The stairs are sacred. It's, it's like your your parents' bedrooms up there. Like, it's just not okay. You can maybe go to your personal bedroom with your friend. But, like, I just thought it was so ridiculous that she just, like, they goofed up, up, up the stairs, went into someone's bathroom and creeped around. But Anna kept her cool. She was just like, get out. Yeah, and I, I'm honestly, like... That was when I was like, okay, Anna, like, I think we could, we could hang because I was like, I don't know, how will she respond to that? Like, it was, it was just like, it was the most egregious, like, never of seen anything. A penis pump. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen one. And then, <laughs> and it was wet when they picked it up. But it was just like, honestly, even if, even if it wasn't that, like, if it wasn't yeah. that object, even if they'd gone in and, like, taken her, like, moisturizer... Yeah. Like, there's something about going in and touching people's stuff. I agree. Not just in, like, oh, but there's only one, like, washroom in the house, so, like, oops, I just happened to be there, and I, like, spritz their perfume on me. Like, don't do that, but okay. But, like, you've <laughs> gone up the stairs, you've gone into their bedroom, like, don't do it. Just And and then I think that, for me, was why I really struggled with Kim. I agree. From on, there on out. Same. Her likability dived. And I was, like... I, I don't, and I, you know, as a TV person, I'm always wondering how they make TV and how, yeah. like, is it a producer storyline that made them do it? And just, and they're just probably like filming and be like, all right, go up the stairs now. Yeah. Um, but that was such a, that, that is very telling of her character to me. And I was like, I cannot, that's not, that's boundaries that people should not cross. Well, see, that's always a thing. And like, I'd love to talk to you about being someone who knows TV and like makes TV and yeah. how you can still enjoy reality TV knowing the, you know, how the sausage is made. But before we get to that, I think it is interesting that like the producers can push you all you want and they can, I, I know that they really get people in these bubbles where, yeah. you know, things, standards that you would never have otherwise are suddenly like you're, ex you would do things you never do. But at a certain point, it's like you still had a choice there. So like, mm. 
the whole like, oh, it was a producer storyline. The producers made me do that. I was like, well, yeah, but you like you you were still a human with agency, right? So that only goes so far. But yeah. to my question for you, as someone who like you know, you can see all the signs. You can like, oh, I can see that like coming mm-hmm. a mile away. Yeah. Do you have to suspend your disbelief, or do you actually enjoy it all the more knowing how it was made? Thanks for listening to the Ignata Chit Chat. For easy listening, I've split this episode between Sarah and I into two parts. Tune in for more of us talking about how reality TV is actually quite intricate and there's no need to feel embarrassed about enjoying it.